realize that many of you are wrapping it up, so I just want to see a show of hands. How many have or are graduating from college, high school, eighth grade, kindergarten? All right, great. Good to see a lot of these graduates in here. Uh, each time at, at this time during the year, I just want to tell you, I, I really want to be the speaker at graduation. Specifically, I want to be Northwestern's graduation speaker. I have no idea. I've been here for 10 years, and they've never asked me. It's just totally not cool. And so this year, they chose somebody named Ricardo Muti. Who is he? He's like the Chicago Symphony Orchestra music director. Come on. Who is he? Anyway, just in case he can't make it, I like to have a backup speech ready so they can call me, and I can jump right in. And so here, this is how we do this. I kind of do this kind of organized thing where I really try to think, hey, I'm, I'm speaking to graduates, but I'm, I'm also speaking to everybody in here, okay? And you know a good uh, commencement speech starts with a story or a parable, and so I'm going to tell you a story, actually a parable, one that you may have heard before, and it's maybe familiar to you, so see if you can pay attention because the punchline is going to make you think if you can do that. So try this. Here we go. Once upon a time, there was a gardener who grew an enormous carrot. And he took this enormous carrot to his king, and he said, My lord, this is the greatest carrot I have ever grown or ever will grow, and I I give it to you as a token of my love and respect to you. The king took the carrot, and he discerned the gardener's heart. And as the gardener was about to leave, the king said, Wait, 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 wait. I see that you are a man with a good heart, and I can see that you uh, have great affection for me. I'm going to give you this field that I have right next to yours. I want to give it to you so you can have joy and, and gardening it and grow whatever you want to grow. So here's, here's a great gift. And so, of course, the gardener was excited, and he left. But there was a nobleman at the king's court, and he overheard all this, and he thought to himself, my, if that's what you get for a carrot... What if I gave the king something even greater? So the next day, the nobleman came into the king's court, and he was leading this beautiful, huge, black stallion. And he approached the king, and he said, My lord, I breed horses, and this is the the greatest horse I have ever bred or, or ever will breed, and I present it to you as a token of my love and affection for you. But the king discerned his heart and simply said, Thank you. And as the nobleman started to leave, the king said, Would you like an explanation? And the king said this, The gardener was giving me the carrot, but you were giving yourself the horse. Let that sink in. The gardener was giving me the carrot, but you were giving yourself the horse. Do you see yourself more as the gardener or the nobleman? In your relationship with God, are you overflowing with love and thankfulness for the grace that he has shown you in the gospel that you serve him with right motivations because you simply love him? Or are you more along the lines of serving God to get things? If you do certain things, then God must come through and do certain things for you. Are you serving God because of God 
or are you serving God because it's all about you? Do you see how the gardener is focused on God and the nobleman is focused on self? And the reality is, is though as much as we want to be the gardener, too many times we fall along the lines of the nobleman, we experience a little bit of both. And so what I want to do this morning is nothing fancy and nothing new. I'm going to bring you back to the simplicity of the gospel. That through Jesus' life and death and resurrection, and through faith in him, you can be accepted and loved by a holy God forever. And I don't just want this to be an intellectual exercise this morning. I want, by God's grace, for you to experience the power of God's love for you in Jesus Christ. Even if you've believed it for 20 to 30 years, to experience the gospel afresh, so you see that these gospel motivations of worship and obedience flow out of a heart of gratefulness. So let's return to the simplicity of the gospel. And as we do that, let's go ahead and turn to Romans chapter 10. We've been studying Romans for months, and we find ourselves in Romans chapter 10. Now, I could just dive right into the passage, but you need to know some type of context. And the context is this question. If God made all these great promises in the Old Testament to Israel for salvation, and many of the Jews during Paul's day and even our day are not believing in Jesus, but it's mainly Gentiles, right? Did God's promises to the Jews fail? Chapter 9, chapter 10, chapter 11, Paul answers that question. And we've already saw chapter 9. Chapter 9 was part 1, and it said that God does not elect everyone within Israel for salvation, but only a remnant. We talked about election, predestination. God's promises to Israel did not fail because God never promised to save every single person in Israel, but only the elect. And then we move on to part 2, chapter 10, that Israel is responsible for failing to believe in the Messiah. There is this human culpability for failure to believe. And then chapter 3, we'll be coming to later in this month, that God is still saving some Jews today, and there'll be a greater in gathering in the future. But right now, we're in the midst of part 2, concerning the responsibility of faith. And if you were here with us last week, we saw that Israel failed to receive a righteousness by faith in Jesus, but instead were pretty passionate about pursuing a law that they thought would gain them a right standing before God. So Paul's going to continue on this theme of right standing, so I want to kind of just pull back and give you our big idea for today. And the big idea for today is that it's not about doing, but believing. It's not about doing, but believing. If you want to be accepted by God, not about doing to obtain righteousness, but about believing in Jesus who obtained righteousness on your behalf and grants you his righteousness. So as I proceed to this argument, we're going to start kind of with point one, if you are into taking notes or you see it on your new version. We're going to start talking about righteousness based on the law, that's the doing, versus righteousness based on faith, which is believing. And we're going to start in Romans 10, verse 5, if you want to go ahead and look there. Verse 5, for Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law, that the person who does the commandments shall live by them. During our passage today, we're going to see a lot of Old Testament verses and allusions. And this one comes from Leviticus 18.5, where God tells Moses that those who obey the commandments shall live by them. 
And the way Paul uses this idea from Leviticus is his argument to confront the Jews at his time who utilized the law to gain a right standing before God. Their righteousness was based on doing. And Paul's like, okay, if you want to gain a right standing before God, and the way that you do that is that you must keep the law perfectly. So if you meet someone on the streets and you're interacting with them about the gospel or someone in your family, and you say, okay, how are you going to get to heaven? And the most famous American answer is, I'm going to get to heaven by being a good person. And then you can push back and say, okay, that's fine. But if you're going to get to heaven by being a good person, then you must be a good person perfectly. Which means you have to obey the law, including the Ten Commandments, perfectly. Do that and you will obtain righteousness and stand before God perfect one day. And you and I both know that is impossible because what is needed to obtain perfection is superhero or superhuman powers. There's a lot of superhero movies out right now. I took my children to see Captain America last week. It's a pretty good, decent movie, and we know the Spider-Man movie's out. But what you'll find with these superheroes is they all tend to have some type of flaw. So you may think that you're pretty awesome, perhaps like a superhero yourself, right? But the reality is, is that there is some flaw in you. Uh, There's a lot, by the way. And we fall short of God's standards. But the righteousness demanded by the law is perfection. And since you can't keep it, you're doomed. You're doomed. You're going to stand before God one day. He's going to pour out his wrath on you, and you are doomed. Unless you consider the gospel. There is another way, and the only way for us as simple human beings to be saved. And that is a righteousness about faith, where it's not about doing, but about believing. Let's look at this righteousness based on faith. Verse 6. But the righteousness based on faith says, Do not say in your heart, Who will ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down. Or who will descend into the abyss? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Here the Apostle Paul is utilizing Deuteronomy 30, 12 through 14 for his argument. And it's an argument that is a righteousness based on faith. And this righteousness based on faith is not about superhero or superhuman abilities. It's not about taking Jesus, if you could, with your, I guess, abilities, going and somehow taking Jesus from heaven and bringing him down. It's not about going into the grave and and bringing Jesus up from the dead if you have these superhero abilities or superhuman powers. See, the reality is those have already been accomplished by God in the incarnation of Jesus Christ and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. These, These powerful things have already accomplished and they are pulled off by God through Jesus Christ. But now, since they've already been pulled off by God, this righteousness from God and Christ has already been accomplished. And the reality is, this is the simple thing that many of you will miss if you do not embrace Christ. The simple reality is, all you got to do is receive it by faith. Paul says a similar thing in the book of Philippians. In Philippians 3.9, he says, And be found in him, that is Christ, 
not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. It's not about doing. It's not about keeping the Ten Commandments for righteousness, but it's about believing in Jesus Christ for righteousness. So rather than strive high or strive low, the gospel takes root within each of us who believed in our mouths and in our hearts. And the reality is Jesus is the hero. Jesus is the hero who came down to this earth, and like none of us, he lived a perfect life, kept God's law perfectly was crucified on the cross and was buried and three days later. And the gospel good news is it throws out to all, put your faith in Jesus Christ, who is the hero, and you will be saved. It's so simple. We're not complicating matters here with the gospel. It is very simple, and I think it's often rejected because we have hero hearts. All of us want to be the hero. I mean, goodness gracious. I, I told someone uh, yesterday that there's like, I don't know, 20,000 applicants to get into Northwestern and just a fraction get in. And those of you who got in, you clearly got in because you're the hero, right? You got it together or something. There's some mentality that's going on with, with most of us here. We're going to be competent. We're going to feel like we are the hero. We can do things that are with excellence, And wouldn't it be so awesome to stand before God one day and say, God, I am here before you because I'm a hero. I kept the commandments. I did everything right. But that's never going to happen because there's only one hero, and that is Jesus. And we are called to turn from our hero hearts, repent of our sins, of what we've done in this life, even trying to achieve heaven apart from Christ and receive his righteousness given to us. And I believe that even as believers, you have to keep this truth before you. For the last six months, I've had an image in my head, I've shared it with some of you, that I have this image of giving myself a shot, like literally just giving myself a shot. Let me me explain. Ever since I was saved, those who've known me over the years, I have a restlessness about me that it's like I have to accomplish so much for God right now because I'm about to die. I've been about to die for the last 20 years. Always talking about, well, there's so much more that can be done for God than I must do right now because I'm about to die. And people say, why are you about to die? I don't know. I don't know, but I'm going to die. And I've got this restlessness about me. Those who know me know this. And that's why i got to say, okay, here's the shot. Give yourself the shot. Calm down. And this is how it goes. It's mental exercise. I'm accepted in Jesus. I am loved through Jesus. Even if I don't accomplish anything else, and if I die right now in the pulpit, which would be one of the best ways to go for me, if I die right now, It's okay. I'm loved and accepted. And if there's anybody in here that's restless, that that, that wonders if you're doing enough, if God's going to accept you, if you've got to do more before you die and face him, here's a shot. I'll give it to you too. (laughs) You're accepted in the gospel of Jesus Christ because it's by faith 
in Him, not by your works. You're forgiven. That's good news. So we see that, of course, it is not a righteousness based upon works, but a righteousness based upon faith. Well, let's come to the focus of this faith. What's the focus? We're not just throwing around faith words like you may hear. What is faith all about? Look at the details. Look at the focus on faith, starting in verse 9. These are famous words, by the way. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Now, when the gospel lodges inside of someone, they're going to focus on Jesus. So we're not just talking about random faith and faith. We're talking about faith in Jesus. And when you have faith in Jesus, you will believe certain realities. What I'm getting at is your faith will have content. We're not just saying, I believe in Jesus, whoever he is. No, it's going to have content. And part of that content, it says here, is believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. So if you do not believe that Jesus Christ was literally raised from the dead, you are not a follower of Jesus Christ. Because the resurrection is not a myth and it is not a fairy tale. We actually believe this is something that happened in history where Jesus, ra- where Jesus was raised from the dead, proving that his death on the cross conquered sin, Satan, and death. We believe there is a literal resurrection. So there is content to our faith. The cross, of course, but also that God raised Jesus from the dead. And so if you're a believer, you will have orthodoxy. And it won't just be a heady orthodoxy. It's something that you're believing in your heart. Which That's the language of trust. It's like, okay, I believe up here that he was raised from the dead, but my heart trusts him, which I believe his death and resurrection will save me. So it's orthodoxy mixed with trust. And it's something going on inside of us. But it also turns into a confession. Did you see it? It also turns into a confession. And the confession is, Jesus is Lord. The same way I can tell you, if you don't believe that Jesus was raised from the dead, you're not a believer. I can still tell you, if Jesus is not your Lord, you are not a believer. There's none of this accepting Jesus Christ as your Savior, but not your Lord. Okay? So let's just take that theology, wherever it generated, and throw it away. There's none of this. I trusted Christ as my Savior, and I can do whatever I want. And maybe later on in life, I'll trust him as Lord. Nope. No separation. The confession is Jesus is Lord. He's not only Lord over the universe and some random reigning at the right hand of the Father, which is absolutely true, but he's reigning over your life. If you're a believer, he's your Lord. And you confess him as Lord. And it's something that you believe in your heart and your mind. And it shares and shows in your life. So once again, it's not about doing works to be made right with God. But it's about believing content, reality, trust in Christ. Jesus is the focus. And my brothers and sisters, this is going to be the part where you may miss. But we keep coming back to Jesus. So if you come here next week, we're going to talk about Jesus again. Then you come the next week, again. Ten years from now, you come back to visit EBF, still talking about Jesus. Because he's the focus. 
We're not moving on. This past uh, week, my, my daughter in eighth grade, she, she graduated. And when I, I grew up in Texas, and when we, when we moved on to high school, there, you know, it was basically get out of here, go to high school. But here at the school, huge graduation events for eighth grade. People fly in. It's packed. There's speeches. It's amazing. So she was one of the speakers of several for this graduation. And, and the idea of each speech was this. Tell a story. Lesson learned. Now we're launched for high school. Every speaker, tell a story, lesson learned, now we're launched for high school. So, for example, story, don't let others' comments bother me. Now that I've learned the lesson, I'm launched for high school, which is, which is, which is a really cool concept. But this is the way we do with the gospel. We know the story, and we keep telling it. And then we keep telling it, and we keep believing it. We're not ready to move on. You, you know what I'm saying? And you, here's why. This is going to sound weird. The reason why we don't move on is because the gospel leaks. <laughs> it just leaks out of us. So you could be so pumped up about Jesus today, but then you wake up tomorrow, and you're like, where did Jesus go? I was so excited yesterday about Jesus, but today, isn't that true? It's like there's none of this sustaining, and that's why you have to keep coming back to the gospel. So I'm going to tell you right now, God loves you through faith in Jesus Christ. He'll never reject you. He'll always be there for you. Tomorrow, you'll forget. Oh, you'll still know, but it's not going to be inside of you. So you have to keep coming back to the gospel every single day. Jesus must be the focus of faith. Jesus must be the focus of faith. So if Jesus is the focus and it's by faith and not by works, who can get in on this? You ever thought about that? Who, who, that's some pretty good news. Who, who can get in on it? And we kind of finish up with this concept of availability of faith, as you see in verses 11 through 13. For the Scriptures say, everyone who believes in Him will not be put to shame. For there's no distinction between Jew and Greek. The same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing His riches on all who call on Him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Once again, Paul is throwing out all these Old Testament references. He's got a reference here to Isaiah 28, 16, a reference to Joel 2:32, And the, uh, the Isaiah reference proves that everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. And I know many of you, and I know that many of you have uh, a lot of reasons to be ashamed of your sin. I do too. Like if I kind of took your life and had a reel and just popped it up here on the screen for all else to see, you'd be totally embarrassed, you'd be totally ashamed, wouldn't you? Yeah, me too. But what we're saying here is that everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. When we stand before the Lord one day, who is holy and righteous, and we stand before him clothed in Jesus Christ, we have forgiveness and grace and mercy and love. And we have it in the future at the judgment and through faith in Jesus Christ, we have it now. So all your foolishness and all my foolishness, no matter what it is, no matter what you're into right now, you can confess, repent, receive forgiveness, and there is no shame. God's not going to keep bringing it up into your face. Other people may bring it up all the time, but God's not going to bring it up because there's no shame for those who confess and believe in Jesus Christ. But once again, who can get in on this? 
Who can get in on this, this good news? Keep going. We see here that we have one Lord who's Lord of all, bestowing the riches on all who call on him. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. No matter your background, no matter what you've been into, no matter what you've done, no matter what you've done, remember who you are. You call on the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved. And let's, let's, not, let's not beat around the bush here. Saved from what? I'm going to tell you what. You will be saved from the wrath of God targeted at you in hell forever. You will be saved from his wrath. And you'll be saved for a relationship with him forever. That is the reality of the gospel. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And there are no distinctions between Jew and Greek. There are no distinction between color, no, no distinction between what we've done in the past. I'm going to tell you right now, if you are here this morning and if you can hear me and if you're alive and something's stirring in your heart, right now you can call on the Lord and right now here in Evanston, right now you can be saved. Don't be playing games with God. Don't be saying, well, let me get my stuff together. Let me get, let me get organized. Let me, let me go ahead and try to be a better person. Let me just see, get my stuff. You know, I want to get together before I start being religious. It's not about that. It's about right now admitting you are messed up. God is holy. You can't get to him. You don't have to get nothing together because you're messed up. And you can repent and put your faith in Jesus Christ. The Bible doesn't lie. It says you'll be saved. Even you, you'll be saved. Now, I, I understand if this is, been thinking about Christianity for a while, and you maybe be wondering, okay, I know, I hear you, but what else, right? What else, what other hoops do I need to jump through in order to be saved, to go to heaven? Well, tell me some other hoops to jump through, and, I, and, I, and I'm telling you, there's nothing else. There's nothing else. There's no more hoops. Maybe you've read this book, uh, Life of Pi. Perhaps you've read that. In, in the book, there is a Hindu boy named Pi, who interacts with a Christian minister. And this pastor tells this boy the gospel of Jesus. And the boy's like, man, I, I like that story. T tell, me, tell me a story from your religion. Tell me something even greater. And the pastor's like, no, no, there, there is nothing greater. <laughs> that is the greatest story. And as Christians, we keep coming back to it. Again and again and again. And we keep telling it to one another. We tell it to ourselves. And we keep preaching the gospel. And we keep coming back to it. So let's go to where we started this graduation speech. Are you the gardener or the nobleman? As you're living your life about to be launched out into the world or already launched, are you trying to get God to notice you? Are you trying to get God to be impressed with everything that you're doing so that he'll give you stuff? God, watch me. Give me stuff. Or are you like, God, you have given me riches. You have poured out your riches in the gospel. I have all I need in Jesus Christ. I give my life to you freely. My brothers and sisters, if you don't nail this one down, you're going to have a hard life. And you may be saved but if you're living your life where you're trying to get God to notice you, it's going to be miserable. It's going to spill over in the way they're treating other people as well. You are accepted in the gospel. Now, 
there is a, a guy who is really good at getting to our heart motivations to see whether we are trying to impress God or if we're totally trusting him and grateful. It's a guy named Tim Keller, and he, he gives a series of, of heart checks and motivation. And I'm just going to share a few of these at the end. And the first one I want to share goes something like this, religion. Religion says, I obey, therefore I'm accepted. The gospel says, I'm accepted, therefore I obey. Get this one down. Get this one down, right? You obey God because you have complete acceptance in him. You're not trying to do things so that he'll finally accept you. Jesus is a hero. You are not. Another one is religion says, I obey God in order to get things from God. Gospel says, I obey God. Get God to delight in and resemble him. I just love him. I want to be like him. I want to honor him. I want my heart to be right. I'm not trying to get things from him. And you know what? I would say, this is an aside here. I didn't plan to say this. But I would say probably the number one theology dominating the world right now is I obey God to get things from God. I would say probably that's the number one dominating theology. I do stuff, I give stuff, so he'll give me stuff back. It leaves out the gospel. And the last one. My identity and self-worth are based mainly on how hard I work or how moral I am. The gospel says my identity and self-worth are centered on the one who died for me. I am saved by sheer grace. And you can start to see where your identity is and your self-worth is. I mean, like some of you are about to take finals. And if you come out with a C instead of an A, how do you feel? Perhaps a little disappointed or totally crushed. I'm always messing with my high school son. He studies, he wants to get good grades, and I say, simply, son, if you don't get an A, you lose your salvation. I'm, I'm always messing with him because, of course, he doesn't lose his salvation. No. But I'm trying to show, look, identity, self-worth, and the gospel, not performance. Of course we want to do good. Of course we want to achieve. We want to do the right things. But where's our identity? So as you set off on life, I'm going to leave you with one final story. I want to make sure you get this. It's kind of a silly story, but I want you to keep coming back to the gospel daily. It's a story I read recently about a man who keeps losing his keys. Is that anybody in here? You keep losing your keys, all right? So he keeps losing his keys. He's always freaking out. And one time he was frantically searching for his keys and he was, of course, making him late before he's missed appointments. So he's frantically looking. And, of course, when you lose your keys, it's always someone else's fault. So he's blaming his wife, blaming his kids for taking his keys. He's searching all over the house. He's searching all over the bedroom and the kitchen. He's moaning and groaning. And he is about to scold everyone in his path. And he's freaking out. And he pauses for a moment and simply sticks his hand in his pocket. And that's where his keys were all along. You figure that's the first place you're going to look is in your pockets. But he's looking everywhere else. 
this gospel message is so simple. And when you were looking all around for identity, you're frantically searching for meaning and affirmation and success and trying to earn favor. You have all you need in the gospel of Jesus Christ. You need to simply come back to this message. And the message is this. The keys are in your pockets. You have all the love, acceptance, and grace that you'll ever need in Jesus Christ. Trust him today. Let's pray. Father, it's, I, I believe that you are awakening people in here. And Lord, only you know and they know if there's someone in here right now who feels stirred to trust you and confess you as Lord, may they do it right now in their heart and their mind to you, just wherever you are. Do you go ahead and tell God right now that you, you trust him to save you? The frantic search is over to save yourselves. Turn from your sins and confess him as Lord right now. For those of us who believe, may we quit falling in the direction of self-righteousness and understand that we are loved, accepted, justified, adopted, and secure in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And may we stay there. And may we rest there. May we give ourselves this gospel shot on a regular basis. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.